huge news, years in the making, my brand new book that my publishers refuse to publish, Money Matrix. Beat the money system and build generational wealth. Understand the three main ways that the banks productize you and make money from you. You'll be able to turn that system against itself, build generational wealth and multiple streams of recurring income. It's all at moneymatrix.cash. And if you're quick, the first few hundred registrants and buyers will receive many special bonuses from me. The brand new Moneymaker Summit three-day special event. Meet me at a champagne reception. Meet me at a multi-millionaire networking dinner. Go now, moneymatrix.cash. This is huge. Do you subscribe to the view of multiple streams of income? I think people should only have one stream of revenue. I'm very excited. Look, I just want to say the man I'm about to introduce... Um, I love his content. I, I think as a human being, he's such a fantastic person. I had the privilege of interviewing him for my Disruptive Entrepreneur podcast probably a couple of years back. And he's just a very unique guy with his amazing, he's got an, his own unique brand of comedy. He's a genuine heart-centered person. And of course, he's absolutely smashing it online. And it's hard to have those three combinations and a clear identity and brand as well. But JP has got that. I mean, I don't know how many uh, views he's got on social media. I wouldn't be surprised if it's hundreds of millions. He does. I mean, he seems like a viral video is just like a normal thing for him. I think he's got approaching 2 million subscribers on YouTube. Um, I think his view, videos have been viewed like, what, half a billion times, something like that. He's also, I, I, I wanted to ask JP about this because he's standing up for, you know, freedom of speech and things like that. And I think that's really important. I like the way he gets pissed off and rants about Facebook on Facebook. <laughs> I love the irony involved in that. So I wanna, please, everyone, give a huge round of applause and a big up welcome for the amazing viral sensation that is JP Sears. JP, how are you? Paul, <laughs> Paul Rob, um, first, Paul, I, I loved his whole presentation. Rob, thank you for the amazing intro. So good to see you again, brother, and be here with look, all these amazing people. I'm doing good. I appreciate you asking. And look, thanks for taking your time here and also waiting because I know we're a few minutes over. So I really, you know, I just want to say thank you so much. Um, First thing I'd like to start with, JP, because, you know, they talk a lot on social media, don't they, about the personal brand. And people say it's important to have a strong personal brand. And they say the riches are in the niches. I think that's what they say, bitches, you know. If so, it rhymes, it's got to be true. You exactly. Know? Fact check that. <laughs> so you're definitely a funny guy. And I think your comedian is um, almost your sort of bread and butter. That's where you came from, I believe. You're Definitely an influencer. I don't know if you like that term. Social commentator, creator, educator. How do you see yourself and your brand on social media, JP? Yeah, man, it's that's a that's an enigmatic question. How I see my brand, it's always changing, which I think is a good thing. It means, I mean, if if your brand's not changing, it means it's not growing. So hopefully, it's mine's changing for the the good, but. You know, in a word, I see my brand as comedy. So in the entertainment niche. But if I'm allowed to have more than one word, you know, <laughs> something as it's changing, like, yes, comedy, that's how I interface with the world. 
that's the language I speak to the world. And, and I'm blessed to have a lot of people want to connect with me on the basis of comedy. But now I, I see my brand as a force for good in the world where, you know, it used to be like I stood, my brand stood for making people laugh and like, you know, pointing out funny uh, hypocrisies in the world or, you know, with nutrition or like, hey, you're gluten intolerant. It's good, good stuff. But uh, luckily my brand's evolved and that's because I as a person have evolved and, you know, now I do comedy in the name of freedom. So that wasn't a conscious rebranding. I'm not smart enough to do those kinds of things. It's more just as I forced gump my way along over the past year and a half as the world's changed. And whether you agree with restrictions or not, one thing we can all agree on is freedoms have been taken away. Whether you think that's a good thing or bad thing, they've been taken away. And freedom is my number one value. So my brand has shifted and it, it shifted to represent freedom and a year and a half or so ago when I could feel that shift wanting to start Rob initially there was a little resistance there was like oh shit like okay like I go from just kind of funny guy incredibly handsome as well <laughs> Go from that to standing for freedom, which means obviously there's the whole thing's politicized. I wish it wasn't, but y'all know the story, the world we live in right now. So my my resistance was, I well, my audience will be divided. People will leave me if I allow this shift that was based on my my heart, my inner inspiration for a brand shift and. I said, like, all right, worst case scenario, if it's bad for my brand, that's okay. Uh, I got to follow my heart first and foremost. But the beautiful thing is, I as I allowed the shift to happen, of course, my brand evolved into like, hey, comedy in the name of freedom. Uh, my brand's never grown faster. Uh, just uh, apparently, there's a lot of people around the world where they would have, you know, the things that they wanted to say, but didn't have a voice for, didn't have a platform for, my brand became their voice. So they wanted to connect in. So I saw my audience grow by leaps and bounds, about leaps and bounds. I canceled my, my old line of merch. And a couple months later, opened a new line of merch that's all freedom branded. And, you know, the initial sales were 30 times my expectations and that's been that's been some beautiful evolution in my brand as now it's comedy in the name of freedom helping wake people up that's really interesting to hear jp because it sounds like you've evolved through your journey on social media and it almost does sound like you've found a niche within a niche which all the experts tell you but i sometimes find that hard but i do like the way you've stood up for what you've believed in you've gained success from that and then you've almost doubled back down on that i'd like to now talk a little bit about and look you can be as open or as closed as you want about this answer because everyone has the right not to share this information. But 
I sometimes wonder if people use politics because they know it's good for virality. You know, there's a lot of commentators who talk about all the political issues because you people at, at your sort of scale, you know, you're going to get a guaranteed few million views. So did you test or did you think, oh, you know, I'm going to be able to go viral with politics? Or did something just upset you that you wanted to talk about it so much? Or was it a bit of all? Well, it's it's the latter. It, nothing was premeditated thinking like, oh, politics. Like if you have a political view, if you polarize it enough, it's going to be radical enough that you're going to get views, whether that's one side saying, hey, you're our hero. The other side saying, hey, you're a moron or you're the other side. Then it's reversed, uh, which some people do that. And it's a very successful strategy where I, I think some people are even willing to violate their own truth in the name of, well, well, let me, this is my stake in the sand on this polarity and let me be as radical as I can to get views. And, and hopefully we all know when people are full of poop and, it, you know, worst case scenario is we get entertained by those folks, but that's not my jam. I'm, I'm a, my motivation isn't the currency of views. My motivation isn't the currency of money, though I welcome both with open arms. My motivation is to help people. And really the only way I know how to do that is by speaking my perspective. So when I see from my perspective, don't know if it's true ever or always, I just, my perspective, when I see something unjust happening, when I see a corrupt official lying through his teeth um, to the public or lying through her teeth, you know, equality, women lie just as much as men. Uh, I want to point that out. And, and when I see a disconnect happening or hypocrisies, that's what I'm looking to point out. So I'm doing my best to shine the light of awareness on truth and do that in a comedic way. That's my only motivation. I want to help people liberate themselves from fear that doesn't serve them, lies that don't serve them, so they can make up their own damn minds about what's true for them. You know, my brand, myself, I don't give a crap what anybody believes, what anybody chooses. I just care that you are the ones making your choice not, well, I saw this reiterated to me 97 different times on the news. So now I'm hypnotized to think this thought. Like, I, I respect humans more than that. I think our God-given intelligence should be what we navigate our own lives by. And if you disagree with me, awesome. Go by your intelligence, not by what I say. So that's been my motivation. And, you know, there, there's some things, I, I guess, in American politics, Right now, I'm more aligned as a conservative. Just no apologies. Like, I align more as a conservative. At truth, I'm an independent. I'm always going to make up my own mind on any given issue. But as I've aligned more with a conservative, sometimes I see conservative commentators who specialize in just like, hey, the left says this. Let me do the opposite. But let me make it more extreme. I'll see stuff they're saying like, now, I don't agree with that. I don't think that represents truth. So I'm not going to commentate on that issue, at least certainly not the angle they are. So, and you know, one thing that I think that any uh, social media marketer, influencer, creator 
something we can all relate to and get benefit from is if we keep our number one mission to serve people, to help them have a better lives, whether that's selling them a a product, a physical product they're going to use to have a better experience or a course that they're going to use to improve their life or improve their business or, you know, a, a, a video I'm making to hopefully improve their life by having them be a more free thinker or a piece of merch that allows them to have fun and and spread freedom vibes. At the end of the day, I think that's how you win. You know, anybody can take a shortcut and have a momentary gain, whether that's, hey, I'm going to make content that's not aligned with my truth, but it's going to get a lot of views or sell people a product that it's maybe not the best, but I know I can sell a lot of these. We'll take a step forward. You might take 10 steps forward, but ultimately karma's a bitch and you're going 30 steps back, whether that's because your reputation's caught on, people learn you're full of crap, you're willing to sell your soul. So I love to do my best to stay aligned to truth and serving people first and foremost. And I think I'm sure everybody online, that's not new to them because I know Rob, you attract great people. Thank you, JP. So were, were there any moments along your journey where things really leveled up for you on social media? Because obviously there's way more to you than just what you do on social media, JP. But, you know, this talk is a social media summit and you're um, one of our keynote headliners. So really want to focus on that element. I guess would there you, was... A t- would, you, Rob, would you mind letting everybody know, like, I am the keynote presenter? Just like if we run that back real quick. Yeah. So cut, edit. Um, so JP, you are the keynote speaker of the entire internet. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, yeah, was there, I mean, because I guess, you know, as a comedian in the early days of learning your craft, maybe what social media wasn't your main thought process. And then did some things happen along the journey, which changed the game, you know, when you maybe like the vegan or the Tony Robbins videos, obviously, or the Tony Robbins mockery videos, or the, I shouldn't even say Tony Robbins, the, the personal development mockery videos, you know, they seem to sort of explode you. So I guess I'm just trying to see a bit in your journey from pre-social media through to it being, you know, a big sort of brand and income generator for you, JP. Yeah, that's a big question and I love it. And and I think along the journey, there's been various points blipped on the graph Um you know, each one builds on the next. So uh, I think it, the first blip was when I got consistent posting content, you know, when I went in the beginning for me, consistency is, or was I'm posting one video per week. Sometimes it's going to be more than that, but one video. So that consistency, I mean, we all love to say like, I'm doing the grind and like, man, it's important. So the consistency was a a big level up for me. And then along the way, you know, you occasionally get the viral video. You can't plan on it, but something really hits that's great. So the occasional viral video is another blip, which is uh, fun and uh, certainly supportive. And then, you know, uh, I, let's see what, what the hell else would be a blip. Um, you know, I, I would honestly say hiring 
So I became something bigger than just myself. That became another blip of growth for me, you know, and, you know, why saying someone smarter than myself has told me like for growth in business, JP, when you're looking to do something, don't ask how, ask who. So when I hired, my first hire was an assistant, then a videographer to do all my filming, all my editing. And what I found is like, oh, awesome. Like, now I can do a lot more content because my genius is in the writing and then, you know, performing on camera. It's not the editing. It's not answering emails or scheduling stuff. So hiring a team uh, that's been built up gradually, but uh, that was huge. And then, man, I, I'm not proud to say that this next one is a blip that didn't occur in the beginning. Please learn from my mistakes. But intentionally monetizing in a business sense rather than just making the money you can in an influencer sense. So if I could briefly elaborate on that distinction between bringing business and entrepreneur strategies to social media versus just approaching social media as an influencer, uh, what I'm using these terms for, right? Like an influencer, they're just kind of like, I ah, like whatever money I can make on social media, like cool YouTube ad revenue. I was like, that's great. And like, maybe I like post once in a while, like buy my merch, but there's no specific ad strategies or funnels or anything like that. So when I grew from just, hey, I'm a creator, I'm an influencer and I love what I do. And, you know, I'm lucky enough getting enough views that I make decent money but then go to specific business strategies. There's actually a structure in place or strategies. And when I don't know how to do something that needs to be done, I'm getting that right person on the team. That's been uh, probably the most important blip of growth. Um, when, as I've done that, my income just really starts to exponentially grow. And, you know, I know, Rabbi, just Paul presenting before me, there's way more experts in that realm than me, but um, implementing that. So long story short, before I go on, one of the biggest mistakes I made for a long time was not addressing the legitimate business side that social media can offer you. And, and I know most people on this line are just way smarter than me. They're like, yeah, JP, we're freaking light years ahead of you, bro. Like we're here because we look at it as a business rather than like a long redheaded freaking artist. So then last blip of growth, if I could be so bold as to have another, was getting more bold with sharing my truth. You know, I, I think... I mentioned it earlier, the, the past year and a half where my boldness was like, freedom's important to me. It wasn't like before COVID because like I had freedom. Every, you know, most people living in a Western world did. So as I got more bold, it felt like a risk. But as I took that risk, I mean, that's been a huge step of growth, relatability and uh, desirability for my brand. Thank you, JP. Yeah. So 
with this intentional strategy of building a proper business, let's say around social media, do you subscribe to the view of multiple streams of income, maybe YouTube ad revenue, podcast ad revenue, influencer revenue from Instagram, et cetera, or do do you have one main focus? Well, I think people should only have one stream of revenue and work on getting that stream as small as possible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. yeah, of course. It's been, you know, especially when COVID. That, sorry, JP, is that your way of saying that was a really stupid question I just asked? No, I mean, more, more money or even more money. <laughs> you know, Rob, they, uh, what I've been told by someone else is there are no stupid questions only stupid people who ask questions. <laughs> Just a friend of mine, Joe Polish. Some of y'all know him from the marketing world. Great sense of humor. So, yeah, you know, when, when COVID hit, um, w- one of my biggest sources of income was taken away just like that. And that's doing live comedy shows where I go into a comedy club for a weekend, do five shows, or I go into the theater. And it's, it, it's become really great income. And COVID hit and I'm thinking, crap. So now, you know, necessity is the mother of invention. I look at my business, which wasn't getting enough of my attention. But luckily, one of the blessings of COVID is it brought my attention where it needed to be, where it had been neglected. I'm looking at this and like, wow, I've, now my only stream of income is really YouTube ad revenue. And that's you know, it's grown a lot in the past year and a half, but even just a year and a half ago, it's like, I don't, I can't live on that and pay my team. And I'm not, I don't want to, I'm not laying anybody off. I'm just, I don't think that needs to be done. So started really diversifying. So, you know, the multiple income income streams, obviously, first off, that's security, that's diversity. And then number two, that's opportunity. And I know where my value is. So, you know, roughly 80% of my time, I need to keep my bandwidth into my zone of genius of creating comedy. And that's uh, usually writing videos or writing stand-up comedy for the stage. And what that gets to do is to support the multiple streams of income. So now I've got sponsors on every video, of course, YouTube ad revenue. Um, now merch uh, sales have been uh, really helpful to me. Uh, now my comedy shows are live comedy shows are able to happen again. And then I've, I've had a candle lit up my ass. So now I've, I'm uh, excited. I'll be launching my own. CBD line, Awaken CBD in a few months. And then I've also diversified further, just share my story, but uh, diversified further by taking on equity in a few companies in exchange for helping them grow. So now when I think about worst case scenario, if I'm deplatform from YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, like all big tech, which I don't want to be. And, but just thinking about that, um, I'd be stressed. I'd be pissed and I'd be okay because of the multiple streams of income. And, but the last thing I'll say on that is everybody on here, you, you know, your value, you know, where your zone of genius is. So the one thing I'd say is 
as you're designing your multiple streams of income, let the streams be dictated by your zone of genius rather than letting your zone of genius be infringed on uh, in exchange for setting up various streams of income that cause you to neglect your zone of genius. So I think 80-20 is a great rule of balance. I know for me, if I can spend 80% of my time in my zone of genius and any income stream that aligns with that, awesome. You know, my, my 80% of my time in my zone of genius, a lot of salmon get to swim down a lot of streams. Uh, and then 20% of the time, my bandwidth is maybe outside my zone of genius, but that, that's oftentimes just great and supportive for business. But, you know, it, I, at a point in time, I was getting that reversed. Uh, you know, 20% is my zone of genius. I'm 80% outside. And like, guess what? The streams are running dry. JP, you said earlier that, you know, going viral, because you've been, you've been viral a lot of times. I do follow you and I do watch a lot of your content. And, you know, your Tesla video was brilliant. And that definitely went big. You know, my, my business partner, I loved the one that was, you know, a bit of a sort of a, a parody of the personal development seminar attendee, etc. So I think you've done some really great work. So maybe you're being a bit overly humble, but I get that it's not an exact science. But you, could you give us a few tips or maybe reverse engineer back a bit on what you think made your viral videos really popular? Yeah, say something that everybody's thinking, but not many people are saying. So like the Tesla video, for example, we all look around and like Teslas are huge, you know, in, certainly in the entrepreneur community. And um, yeah, they, so there's like a whole culture around Teslas. And we all kind of like observe the same things of like, man, people are getting kind of douchey with their <laughs> Tesla pictures and like, trying to get in a way like virtue signaling points, like here's my Tesla and like I'm helping the environment. And by the way, like I'm really successful because look at my Tesla. So, but of course nobody ever posts to Instagram like, hey, I'm trying to validate my self-worth with my Tesla. And like, please think I'm successful because of this Tesla. So they don't say that when they post their Tesla pictures. So I said that for them in the Tesla video. So uh, but of course, everybody on here is not doing comedy videos and, and you don't need to. But uh, w whatever the form of content is that someone's making, say what's not being said that's on everybody's mind, specifically your niche audience's mind. So uh, I think that's key number one. And I got to throw key number two at you. Informative content does not go viral. <laughs> yeah. Like, when was the last time you heard of a, um, you know, a textbook going viral? No, it, it's informative as hell, but boring as hell. Information doesn't spread. Entertainment spreads. Now you can have very informative content that's also very entertaining, and you might say, "Well, JP, damn it, you know, you're you're a majestic redhead." You're a, you're a professional entertainer, easy for you to say, but you know that advice doesn't work for me. I'm not an entertainer. Yes, you are. The, the, I'm not talking about professional comedian skills or even professional presenting skills. The most, enter, it, 
baseline of entertainment that is really all you need is your personality. Let it out. If it's written content, don't write like a textbook. Don't write informative. Let your personality infuse in that. Be be as weird as you naturally are. Be, you know, if you're uh, controversial, let yourself be controversial. If you've got a point of view, don't sugarcoat it. Say it, but let your personality out. And, you know, Rob, I think that's one of the reasons why you're so successful. Like, you're just an entertaining guy. I mean, you could be talking about cleaning the bottom of your shoes and the best strategy for it. And like, you're going to have people laughing. I mean, just look at the ridiculous way you dress. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) You're naturally entertaining. And, you know, the the last presentation with Paul uh, O'Mahony, I mean, he's making a, a joke every 10 seconds. Great information. But if Paul just got up there and shared the information, you know, we'd all be tuning out. But Paul got up there, gave you great information while being Paul, while letting his natural personality out. So with viral content, information doesn't spread, entertainment does. So sugarcoat your personality with the information while saying something that's on everybody's minds, but not many people are talking about yet. Thank you. I was taking some notes there. Um, I always like to learn. So thank you for that, JP. Um, You do seem pretty pissed with censorship and you seem to be really close to the line, especially on Facebook, talking about censorship on Facebook. There is quite, there does seem to be quite a lot of that. Can you talk about how you feel and that risk of, because you, you know, you have a lot of followers say one thing, you get deplatformed. So Yeah. yeah. That line for you and how, how how far you go? Yeah. So on Facebook, just some context. I've got, uh, I think, like 2.9 million followers on Facebook. And, and I would love to not lose them. <laughs> I'd love to not lose that platform. And at the same time, I'm not going to not speak my truth. I'm not going to make videos that are just vanilla and like not saying anything of substance out of fear of the censors and getting deplatformed. So uh, how do I find the balance? Well, I've had to modify and adapt because the the big tech censorship is something that's been um, ever changing over the past year and a half where it used to be like, if I had an alternative point of view on COVID, um, guess what? I don't get my thinking from the news. I, I get it from my brain. So I was oftentimes having alternative points of view of COVID and I, I could get away with saying them on Facebook. Now you can't. You, you say anything alternative about face, uh, COVID on Facebook and at the very least, you're going to get censored. At the very most, you're going to get deplatformed. And I've gotten, after enough uh, warnings, I got a stern warning from Facebook saying I'm on the verge of having my page deleted. So that called for a new adjustment. So I sat down with my team and said, okay, here's the deal. Um, Facebook is not a creator's platform. It's a marketing platform. So let's make sure we keep it as that. Um, So we're not going to post videos uh, natively on Facebook anymore. I'll post to my page and letting people know, hey, new videos up about this topic on my YouTube channel. Go there, check it out if you'd like. And so that saves me from having the video content 
um, kick me off Facebook. But why I want to stay on Facebook is, well, JP, like you're a video creator. If you're not putting videos on Facebook, what's the matter? Well, I want to be able to market my merch line to my 3 million fans on Facebook. So, you know, having the team do targeted marketing to my fans on Facebook with a new shirt design when that comes out um, or old shirt designs, whatever it is, that's important to me. So uh, uh, I've needed to modify and adapt and adjust. And then also as it relates to all social media, YouTube, Instagram, I, I need to know the hot buttons, like what's, what's automatically going to cause Mark Zuckerberg to hit the eject button or whoever the hell it is behind the scenes with YouTube. You know, I know like I can't say anything about vaccines. Um, I, I can't say uh, anything directly contradicting what the authorities say about COVID. And you also can't say much about climate change either. So I like to stay abreast like our, what, what are they most censoring? Like if I watch other people get kicked off, I'm like, what they get kicked off for? Let me learn that. And then if I have something to say about it, quite honestly, uh, I think the censorship, as much as I don't like it, I think it disrespects humanity and our ability to think for ourselves. Mm. Uh, I think the censorship's made me a better creator because I've, I've had to get more creative with saying what I need to say without saying it directly. So it's caused me to get more in touch with my audience's mind. Like what do they already know of that I can access like that to get them to know, like, here's the implication I'm trying to make, even though I'm not allowed to directly talk about that given topic. So uh, hopefully the one of the bright sides of the dark cloud of censorship is it's compelled me to be a better creator. So yeah, just a few thoughts and, and you know, hopefully a lot of the, the wonderful people involved in the summit don't need to worry about censorship. But if you do, uh, if your content is, you know, in, you know, connecting with the censors, I would just say, you know, don't die for the cause. You know, there's some people where you look at their content, I, you don't have to agree with censorship, but these people, they know what's going to get censored and they keep pushing those buttons and then they're off Instagram. You know, they lose all their followers. Maybe they can open up another account, but they're starting from scratch. So, um, you know, you're not really proving a point by just, oh, they kicked me off as well nobody's going to hear you say that. So <laughs> it, it raises some really interesting points there. I guess some moral dilemmas, some, you know, strategic maneuvers. This isn't, this is one, wasn't something I wanted to talk about when I was thinking about our discussion, JP, but I'm just going to open it up. It's probably a bit big picture. So we probably only need to spend a few minutes on it, but does that raise a few certain questions or opportunities? Like number one, is there an opportunity for some entrepreneurs to create a social media platform that can go big, but doesn't censor at all? Because the smaller ones probably don't censor you, I guess, um, but maybe the bigger ones do. Number two, is there an opportunity for a social media platform 
where we get to own our own data because the problem is we don't you know you've got 2.9 million followers on facebook but how many of them can you email how many of them can you call on the phone and and, and there's this wall between facebook and you where i don't know how many of them you actually would have contact with if facebook you know deplatformed you for example or or your reach just got really rubbish because that's also a thing isn't it when the algorithm changes and you can't reach them anymore yeah. so i've been i i feel like having an email database has become really important again i mean us guys were email marketing 15 years ago and then when social media came almost killed email marketing yeah. but like Email open rates went down and down and now down. And now email open rates look huge compared to one in 20 million reach. I've got one like on my 2 million followers on Facebook. So is there an argument for the evolution of social channels and maybe us trying to build our own customer database and own our own customer data? Yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, hell yes on all that, brother. And, and you know, starting at the very least, um. Creator first, business guy second. So I was so slow to even create the focused email list and build that. I mean, I've had one for you know years, but I've never focused on building it. So uh, over the past year and a half, it's like, whoa, gotta build that thing up. And you know, just last week I ran a focused campaign, just like a quick call to action after a couple of videos, like, hey, please join my email list uh, during the uh, movement of freedom and get 20,000 new signups. That's great. So I've been able to build that up. I think we're over quarter million people now. And, and, and that's mine. The 5 million or so followers I have across all social media, I don't own those. Those are mansions I've built in someone else's backyard that there's a, the centralized authority of Facebook, YouTube, they own the audience, can be taken away at any time or your organic reach is, you know, constipated at any time. Mm-hmm. So, and then at the, beyond just the email, like kind of get your customers contact. So you, you, no matter what, you're able to connect with them. Beyond that, I think big tech is the, the biggest driver of innovation that's going to hurt big tech. Um, and, and I know there's a lot of alternative platforms coming up. Um, uh, Parler, MeWe, I think Gitter just launched. And these are launching under the guise of being censorship free. And, and I think those great. Uh, we need competition. And, and I think those platforms are great. I just, I love competition and I love censorship free environment um so as you're not like breaking objective laws like if you're doing some kind of illegal like harming children or horrible shit like that of course that's an objective law like you get it taken down but just like hey you're doing hate speech it's like no i said i was voting for trump not biden what's that called a hate speech that kind of thing is uh, people are sick of that. So we know big tech uh, governing individuals, we know how that turns out and people are getting sick of it. So I think big tech is driving innovation, but even with the alternative platforms that have launched, Parler, those kinds of things, they're still centralized. 
there what what the audience basically has is a pledge from the platform hey we're going to s- stay censorship resistant you can say what you want but guess what It'll, that that pledge isn't guaranteed hopefully it stays but it's not guaranteed and other thing is you don't own your audience you're still building a mansion in someone else's backyard so innovation is coming and um and if I could give you a quick preview, I'm excited about, and I, this isn't a sales pitch because there's no action you can take yet on it, but um, I've recently taken on equity in a company that's building something unique. It's never been done before, and it solves all the problems we're talking about. And right now, the name of the company is N2N2. We're going to change the name of the company and make it more relatable, but uh, what will make this social media platform different is it's going to be all built on the Bitcoin blockchain technology. So each user has a node, which doesn't mean you necessarily physically have it. You can you know, just uh, rent it from the company. So, you know, Rob, if you're a creator on the platform and I'm following you, when you put something out, that goes directly to me. It's fully decentralized. Your node to my node, fascinating technology. It just works on the Bitcoin Lightning Network. It's not, hey, Rob, you put something out. So that goes to the centralized database and then over to me and then to me, my device. No, you to you, or I I message someone, my, my friend, that goes from me to them, fully decentralized. So what that means is on your node, which is basically fancy way to say server, you own your audience. You know, you have a million people on it. That's not something N2N2 as a company holds. No, 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 no. You hold it. And anyway, I'm fascinated. And one of the reasons why I said yes to taking on equity wasn't because like, hey, I think this will be successful. I do believe it will be successful, but I said, yes, this is going to be a, um, a place where me devoting a lot of my time to uh, will serve my mission of freedom really well, because it's an infrastructure of freedom digitally, which helps facilitate three-dimensional freedom in our outer world. So uh, I wouldn't have said yes if it didn't. Um, massively uh, accelerate us forward in our mission of helping bring people freedom in their lives. So uh, fascinating decentralized technology. Um, But yeah, if any of y'all follow me, even better, if you jump on my email list, you'll be the first to know I'm going to have special, you know, thousand core fans of mine be the first beta testers. Help me out, help us out. Um, so anyway, you're welcome to jump on my website, awakenwithjp.com and jump on my email list if you want to be the first ones to know about this. So by the way, people way smarter than me building out this technology, like, oh, that's not my thing. I'm just uh, going to be a face to help bring the ba- brand to the world to connect people to it. Thank you, JP. What's your website again? So everyone, I mean, look, there can't be many people aren't following you left on the planet, but <laughs> oh, wait. my mom and dad still don't follow me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, my, my, my website is awakenwithjp.com. Right. 
yeah i'll put that in the comments now actually awaken with jp.com i'll tr make sure i can send that to everyone there you go i've just sent that to you all you've got that now great so i'm going to make a statement and then um maybe we'll do a, a question on people starting out now and then i've got a nice little quick fire around jp so um i'm friends with a chap called david mccourt who's a billionaire in um basically uh, um fiber optics really and built internet connections across the world among many other things and i had a chat with him two years ago and he thought that a very interesting future disruption for social media is where um you own your data and you get to port it across all channels i mean imagine if you had your three million followers on facebook and then instagram was set up and you just port them straight across and you own them not facebook and instagram and you know he saw that as a potential disruption i.e you know, the first to develop that kind of technology or have a platform like that, um, which treated us users more like we own the data rather than the platform. So this sounds like something in the similar mindset. So that's really interesting. Hopefully that takes off. I definitely support that, JP, if, um, you know, if, if, if that kicked off. So keep me in touch about that. I mean, I, I was one of the first few, I think the first 50 in the world, to get given the supporter program. And I put a bloody lot of work, daily Facebook live videos and content and built up, you know, a community on social media and media and bit on Facebook and built up about 3000 supporters, you know, who all pay me a few dollars a month. All right. It's not millions, but they pay me to get exclusive behind the scenes content. And then, and then your reach just gets restricted. And I always thought the reason I'll do this on Facebook and not on my own platform, which I've now built, by the way, JP, but maybe two years too late. It's because there's no way Facebook will reduce the reach on paid for. You know, these people are subscribing to me. But either they did or no one's using Facebook anymore. I can't say for sure because I don't know the algorithm. But many of my posts will reach a tenth of my paying supporters on Facebook. It, it doesn't seem right. Um so I built my own platform, you know, like you'd have Kajabi or Patreon. I built my own version. No one can take that away from me. No one can piss around with my reach. And when I spend my years building thousands of loyal community members who pay a few dollars because they want a nice T-shirt and some behind-the-scenes content and they want to be part of a community, then that's never going to go away. <laughs> so... I noticed we both have these ginger bit series. This is a thing that we're um, a movement that we're going to make go viral. You know, I think we're in the process of it. Uh, but I will say, I think big tech has a lot of motivation to censor the ginger beards going viral. So we're going to see if it, if it turns out not to go viral. It's only because big <laughs> tech is censoring it. It's like they're anti ginger propaganda. <laughs> um, but, you know, Rabbi, what I'm hearing you talk about, which, man, it's something I think we all need more of. It's sovereignty and self-responsibility. Big tech treats us as children. Now, I'm going to take a step back and just say we kind of bash big tech a little bit. I'm grateful as hell for big tech. It's got its problems. I'm not happy with everything. But Jesus criminy. Like, I've had half a billion video views because of big tech, it's allowed me to connect with 500 million people around the world. If I didn't have big tech, like 
my neighbors outside might watch my little performance art in my front yard. So I'd be getting at most seven views per mm-hmm. creation. Probably not even that. So, so grateful for big tech. I just want to, you know, mm. call it a spade. They, they've brought us so much benefit. Now, I, I think we need to grow up because just sitting back and positioning ourselves as children to big tech. And we do that by relying solely on big tech. And, you know, we're like the little baby bird, like feed me big tech. And if you cut off my food supply or reduce it, reduce my organic reach, then I'm going hungry. Now we're all grown ups at this point. We got to jump out of the nest and always use big tech in any way. It's going to work to our advantage to better the world and serve our audiences but we've got to be self-responsible and sovereign. That's something children aren't, but we as adults are empowered to do if we choose to do that. So having your own platform, building that where you own your customers, you know, contact data, not Facebook owning it, where you're going to take your way, where people who want to see your content and you want them to see your content can have that free sovereign exchange. So Whatever self-responsibility is to a person, I mean, Rob, you're, I think you're just freaking awesome and inspiring. You're like, okay, I'll build my own platform. And for someone else that might be like, cool, I'll really maximize the email list building or text list building or whatever it might be. So I just think the self-responsibility and sovereignty uh, has to be the backbone of anyone on social media don't let social media be your backbone or else you might break your back. You're not going to grow as vast and robust as you can. And none of us can predict the future. But what we do know is if you're building a mansion in someone else's backyard, you don't own that equity. But just imagine you're building a mansion in your own yard and property that you own That's why we want to be self-responsible and sovereign adults using social media rather than children relying on social media for our livelihoods. What is the saying? It makes a great servant, but a terrible master. I think that's (laughs) so well said. (laughs) Should we do a quick fire round, JP, to finish up? My intuition tells me we should. Amen to that. I'm on the wavelength. So up to you how long or short you want to answer, but maybe 15 seconds or less might be a good guide. What I heard you say is, JP, you're long-winded. Keep it brief. You no, no, no. I'm just going to repurpose a load of this for TikTok and take us viral. That's what I'm going to do, JP. So. Oh, by the, uh, TikTok. Hi, Chinese government. What's up, guys? <laughs> JP, what's the best advice you ever remember hearing? Yeah, be true to yourself. Um, don't go after approval. Be true to yourself. And JP, what's the worst advice you ever remember receiving? Uh, <laughs> yeah, do it for the money, man. I mean, uh, be true to yourself. Welcome the money, but uh, don't do it for the money. Is there anything you've recently changed your mind on or you turned about? Well, um, yeah, I mentioned email list building because I used to, you know, I'm always like seven steps behind you, Rob. So you mentioned how now emails are, the, the open rates are going up. I'm like, 
Dude, build an email list. What the hell are you talking about? Nobody uses email anymore. Look at my organic reach on Facebook and like, yeah, you're look who's laughing now. So I've changed my mind about that. Um, I mean, that, that's certainly been one micro nuance. And, and I would also say, you know, the whole don't be afraid to speak your truth. I think my mindset used to be like, yeah, of course, always be true to yourself. But like, if it's going to hurt your business, maybe like, don't speak your truth as loudly. Now, this, this is what I've changed my mind about. I'm not going to pretend it's good advice for anybody but me. But a year and a half ago, when I was at that, that decision point of like, do I speak this new truth of mine, even though I'm afraid I'm going to lose my audience or some of my audience? And I chose to speak my truth anyway in a bolder than ever way. And there's nothing, there's never been anything that's helped me grow my audience bigger and faster than speaking my truth more boldly. Is there anything that you believe quite strongly, JP, but uh, that a lot of people you see don't believe? You know, in the world we live in, there's there's some people it blows my mind but there's certainly a percentage of people that think humans need to be protected from themselves they need to be protected from their own thinking you know they need to be protected from um points of view that don't meet the mainstream narrative you know so we censorships for your protection um, get this shot for your protection. You do it no matter what, stay in your home. And, you know, I, I think we're all born with God-given free will for a reason. And I, I love respecting humanity enough to realize the choice should be ours. We're, we're all intelligent enough to make good decisions. And we're all intelligent enough to make bad decisions and be responsible for the consequences. So, um, and I think the majority of people are all about like, hey, freedom's good. But because there's some people who have been scared into thinking freedom is bad for us and we need to be protected from freedom for our protection, you know, it's certainly my, my sense that freedom is the best thing for us, where some would say freedom's the most dangerous thing for us. Um, my point of view is certainly different than those folks. And by the way, if someone says, JP, no, I disagree with you. I love that you have the freedom to disagree with me. A lot of people ask, what advice would you give your younger self? I'm going to ask the opposite. What advice would you give your older self? Yeah, stay playful Stay childlike. And in fact, dear older self, as you get older than me now, become more of a child than I am now. Let yourself play more full out. Let yourself be goofy. Don't worry, worry even less of what people are thinking of you. So yeah, I think the older we get, the more maturity we have to allow ourselves to become childlike. Is there one particular thing you think is really wrong with the world that you'd like to change? Um, no, 
No, I mean, there's little things. We've talked about some of them to just come up organically, censorship and things like that. And, you know, I think there's some, pardon my language, some evil fucked up people in the world today that are harming some folks. But, you know, there's not one major thing, brother, because I'll tell you this. I get to travel all over the U.S. before COVID, traveled all over the world, but uh, traveling all over the U.S. and I'm so inspired by humanity. You know, if I happen to watch some news in the airport, don't watch the news at home. Like, by the way, best thing you'll ever do for business is don't watch the news. You'll be personally way happier. You'll be in a more relaxed parasympathetic state. But if you're watching the news, you're sympathetic, you're stressed out, your your genius resources will be less available for your business. So, but if I catch a glimpse of the news, I'm like, man, the world's kind of screwed and we have all these sheep people like just living in fear. When I'm looking around at actual humanity, yeah, there's some sheep, there's some people living in fear, but dear God, I see so many brave people who are awake and they're brave enough to get their points of view from themselves and their heart. And the, the, the goodness of humanity I think is the strongest force of nature. And, and you can look at any given like problem with the world, even if that problem might be caused by suspicious, nefarious intentions of another person, it, it can look like doom and gloom, but man, I'm so optimistic. Just the force of good that naturally flows through people. It's flowing strong. You wouldn't know it by looking at the news, but <laughs> man, I don't, I think we we all need to do our best to contribute to positive change in the world. So this isn't a call to like, hey, be complacent. Don't contribute for a better world. Please do that. But just know, like, I think we're going to be good. Is there one person, like, let's say someone I was interviewing next was the favorite person you'd love to listen to on this planet? Who would it be? You know, I'm a big Tony Robbins fan. Uh, I I. I get so inspired and I get so in touch with inner strength I have that I didn't know was there to a greater degree just through what he does. What he does is magic. I've been to his live events. I've been to his home. I'm grateful to call him a friend. Uh, I just, uh, you know, on the phone with him, a video call for an hour and a half, a couple of days ago about a business and it's just, um, I can't get enough of them. And that's simply because I become more empowered within myself um, through his genius work. So yeah, I, I wish I could hear him talk instead of myself right now, Rob. <laughs> and I interviewed you when we first met probably a couple of years back now on the disruptive entrepreneur podcast might have been even be three years back because actually it's just come to me that we were supposed to do a social media summit in London and you were going to be the one main keynote headline speaker for that. There wasn't three or four headliners. There was just one. Not even no audience, just so exclusive to me in my ego. <laughs> and obviously um, COVID ruined that. Um, so this has been like two years in the making. But yeah, you've been on my show the disruptive entrepreneur we had so much fun and um, what does that word disruptive mean to you yeah I, th I think it's going against the grain 
And what going against the grain means is, you know, you're, we've all seen the diagram of like sheep walking in one direction, but then there's like a, a, a dog walking in like a adjacent direction, you know, so to be disruptive means you, you don't settle for ordinary, you strive for extraordinary and whatever that means to you, your business, your personal life, your happiness, the way you help the world. So uh, the world needs more disruptors and the world needs more extraordinariness. And I think our lives become richer when we disrupt so we can have more extraordinary. JP, this has been so much fun. Thank you for bringing your own amazing uniqueness. Uh, So many lovely comments, literally um, dozens coming through. Um, Go to awakenwithjp.com, everyone watching and listening. Um, uh, JP has his email address there, which he won't get dethroned from his own um, email list, so that's good. He won't be censored on that. Of course, JP, is your um, handle JPCs or is it Awaken with JP on all your channels? Yeah, it's Awaken with JP on all my channels. Yeah. And you can check me out there as well. And Rob, thank you so much for having me, brother. Man, anytime we get together, it's just such a joy to rap with you. And I so appreciate the light that you bring and spread to the world, help uplift other people to help them up level and disrupt in their lives and the world around them. And yeah, and just everybody online here, thank you for allowing me to be part of this circle today. And, you know, I know you might say, well, JP, you're on we're Zoom, I, you can't see us. I actually can see y'all. Um, I've got this uh, hookup from Big Tech that uh, <laughs> siphons your data right to me. And, you know, the cameras on your screens are supposed to put tape over. Well, it's good to see you guys. <laughs> Such a joy being here with you, Rob. Thank you so much. Thanks, man. JP. Take care. See you soon. Hey, it's Rob again, and I need to own up to something. Entrepreneurs don't celebrate enough. I bet you don't. I know I don't. And we went through the five-year anniversary of the Disruptive Entrepreneur, which is a massive achievement. And the 600th episode, which again, how many podcasts have done 600 episodes? And we didn't even celebrate. So I want to celebrate the 600th episode and the five-year anniversary with you. We have something new and special that I think you're going to love. Now, many of you who listen, you're on my Facebook supporter program. You get 10 pieces of content with me as a bonus over and above what the general public get. We have supporter-only meetups, socials, dinners. I do Ask Me Anythings every sort of two weeks or so live. We do Make Cash and social media challenges. You get discounts. You get to come to events and you get premium ticket upgrades and so much more. But what I've done to celebrate the five-year anniversary, the 600th episode, is actually created a decentralized platform called Rob.Team. Many of you don't use Facebook. We're in a a more modern, decentralized age now. So if you go right now to rob.team, www.rob.team, you can join my supporter and rob.team program. You can choose whether you enroll on Facebook or the non-native decentralized platform that I've built specially for you. And for just £5 or $5 a month, cancel any time. You get 10 premium pieces of content from me you don't get anywhere else, deep dive content. You get supporter and team only meetups, socials and dinners throughout the year. A two weekly Ask Me Anything live that I don't do in any public situation anymore. 
We do seven day challenges about five times a year, make cash challenges, social media challenges. You get premium ticket upgrades, special discounts. I have um, three Facebook account managers. We often have Zoom meetings with them and then we update you sort of from the horse's mouth live um, what they shared with us. Um, Whenever we do events and webinars, we never do replays or recordings. But as a supporter and team member, you get those free. You get an extra 10% discount off any of my trainings. And get this, if you're one of the first 60, I can't do 600, you'll see why. Then I'm actually going to do a 15-minute one-to-one personal call with you. And if you're one of the first 256, I've just set up a brand new Rob.team WhatsApp group where you'll get my mobile number and you know we can share strategies and tactics together. So go right now to www.rob.team. That's www.rob.team. First 50, get a 15-minute one-to-one call with me. Um, I'm going to do that after your first month subscription, and I, you know it's going to take me a bit of time to do that, but I'll do it. I'll. I'm a man of my word. And the first 256, you get into the Rob.team supporters only WhatsApp group. There's loads of bonuses in there. This program has been running for two years. My six-stage, seven-figure launch formula, which was a paid-for course, it's in there. How to write a best-selling book course is in there. PAVA and social media manager and brand manager documents and job descriptions are in there. Marketing KPIs documents are in there. How to dramatically increase your fees. The book I'm writing, the up-to-date version is in there. There's so much content. It's only £5 or $5 a month. Uh, and I'm adding this new platform, Rob.team, to celebrate the fifth year anniversary and the 600 episodes. And first 60, 15 minute one to one call with me, first 256, get into the um, exclusive WhatsApp group. So be quick, go now because we have millions of subscribers and downloads and views a week now for the Disruptive Entrepreneur Show across all platforms. So see you there at www.rob.team. Go now.